The scripture readings today are hard. So we need to remember that God's written word, the scripture, speaks truth. And God gives us his truth for our good. Since the time that I began pastoral ministry 48 years ago, when I was preaching almost every week, I often said, now I'm preaching to myself and I'm letting you listen. And I invite you to do that with me today. I grew up in a church where fire and brimstone sermons were not unusual. And as a boy, I remember I would shudder when the preacher would say, my text is found in Luke chapter 16, and I knew what would come next. He would continue by quoting the line around which his whole sermon would revolve, and the old King James language is still clear in my mind, and in hell he lift up his eyes. Now the New American Bible, which we use for public reading, does not use the word hell, you may have noticed that, but instead says netherworld. That's a poor choice. The Douay-Rheims translation, the first Catholic Bible in English, which remains an official translation of the church, uses the word hell. Now that's not a popular subject, but the church does believe in hell. Preaching about hell is not inappropriate, and yet it is always secondary at best. Hell is an eternal antithesis to otherwise embracing the glory of God. Now we take hell seriously, or we should, because the salvation given to us in Jesus Christ offers us a glorious alternative. The purpose of this story given by our Lord is not merely to objectively say, now there's a hell, but it tells us why one man found himself in hell. And it's a story that warns, warns others not to make the choice that this man made. Choice? Why would anyone choose hell? And of course, most people do not choose hell explicitly. Most people choose hell passively by just choosing other things above God. So what kinds of choices might lead people to hell? We usually think of that stereotypical list of mortal sins, but nothing is said in the story about the rich man being sexually immortal or running uh, an abortion clinic or any such things. This is the story of a man who chose hell because he chose to do nothing. Now, in that day and culture, it was common to wipe greasy hands on chunks of bread and then toss that bread to the dogs. 
That was the bread for which Lazarus waited at the gate. Now, maybe the rich man thought he was doing pretty good simply not to call the authorities to have that vagrant put away. Because Lazarus did nothing to make his gate look beautiful. So the rich man was not especially cruel. He just lived his own life and let Lazarus live his. And that's how the rich man chose hell. Because mortal sin is not limited to the big bad sins. Sin is not limited to cruel and repugnant people. One way to understand the essence of sin is selfishness. And selfishness is simply putting oneself always above everybody else. Selfishness is living as though other people do not matter as much as me. And it seemed not to matter one way or the other to the rich man that Lazarus lay at his gate. The rich man was too comfortable to care. He didn't have to worry about Lazarus' hunger. He had a lot of food to eat every day. He gave no thought to the rags which clothed Lazarus because he was handsomely dressed with the very best of clothing. He wasn't worried about Lazarus' sores. He was comfortable. This warning is not limited to people who qualify or could qualify. Remember the old TV show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? I don't know if it's still showing, but plenty of others that are equivalent to it are. In Jesus' day, a rich person was someone who lived very comfortably had only not enough to eat, but a wide variety of foods, someone who lived in a relatively carefree environment with nice possessions, had the luxury of different clothes for different occasions, enjoyed a social life with people of his choice. So not only are we rich compared to most of the world's present population, we're rich the way Jesus would have used that term. Now, maybe that word rich becomes a mental block for us. So let's not use rich. Let's go back to that nice word, comfortable. Comfortable people have discretionary income. What do we do with our discretionary income? If we spend it all on ourselves, we're like this man in Jesus' story. So we might ask, what story is being written by our homes and wardrobes and tables and vehicles and vacations when they are placed alongside our giving? Because that's exactly what Amos was prophesying. That was a short but a very hard passage from the Old Testament tonight. And yet here we are bombarded with the temptation always to be self-indulgent. 
really pay attention to commercials if you can stand them. I usually hit fast forward if I'm watching TV. But we want to be comfortable. The rich man wanted this, and who doesn't? We sleep on beds, most of us, instead of the floor. And choosing comfort is not wrong unless it becomes our top priority. Is our desire for comfort greater than our willingness to love? Are we most concerned pleasing myself or following Jesus? C.S. Lewis made this sobering observation. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it while it is actually finding its place in him. The rich man chose himself, probably without even thinking about it. And in doing that, without knowing it, he was choosing hell. And it seems the rich man did not know this, that should not be surprising. I think many people today do not understand it because, again, we've gotten sidetracked into thinking that sin is just those nasty things committed by despicable people. And as long as we avoid those, we assume that we are good people. But truly listening to what Jesus is saying here we understand that it can be hard sometimes to differentiate between good people in the church from good people who have nothing to do with God. Christian faith is following Jesus, learning to love and to serve like Jesus. And it is so easy to seek our own happiness, our own comfort, that's our natural tendency because of the fall. And apart from the grace of God, that's where I want to end all of this tonight. Apart from the grace of God, people can't help but choose hell. It was in the clutches of hell that the rich man finally understood. He asked if Lazarus, notice he knew his name. He knew Lazarus that well, but not well enough to care anything about him. He asked if Lazarus couldn't go back from the dead to warn the living. He hoped his brothers who were caught up in their comforts would be shocked into listening if someone came from the dead. We are here right now with an incredible gift. The good news of the gospel is that this rich man's request has been granted. Someone has come back from the dead. Jesus Christ died for our sins and he came back from the dead to show us that God's ways are above human reasonings and hopes. And when we believe that, when we see that we are called to follow Jesus in the way that he loves, not putting our own comfort and convenience first, then we find ourselves in that joy
of following the Lord. The choice of the rich man still confronts everyone today. And all we have to do to choose hell is to choose to live just for ourselves. And so I want to close with the question that I always, with God's grace, asking myself, am I learning to be different from this man who was so comfortable that he could ignore Lazarus and end up in hell? Again, we can be different by following Jesus. Every day, we ask for the grace to follow Jesus. We pray each day, forgive us our sins, our trespasses. And we feed on the word of God. We get to go from here to there in just a few moments. And as we give ourselves to Jesus, he frees us from the slavery of our selfish desire. And that is the gospel. And that is our hope that our own story will not be like the one about this man in hell.